It's often a bit mystifying how brands magically go viral overnight. Sometimes they make it big, and other times they crash and burn. Is the road to brand fame and a bump to the bottom line worth the risk? I'm Alexis. And I'm Melissa. And we're just a little obsessed with these marketing moments. So join us as we break down the craziest brand stunts, from how the idea sparked to how the heck they pulled it off. Or didn't, and of course, will it stick? Bonjour, mon ami Alexis. Como ça va? Muy bien. Gracias. <laughs> I can appreciate that. I need you to get into the French spirit today, Alexis. Can you do that? Well, I've never been to Paris, but I've been to Italy, so I can kind of just pretend. Yes, you can pretend. And I did have you get me a chocolate croissant this morning and a, Ooh, a latte. So a I want you to imagine that we are walking, I don't know if we're walking, we might be sacheting down the Champs-Elysees in Paris. Okay, yes. we're eating a croissant. We are maybe sipping on a little espresso. Window shopping. Window we shopping. have enough money to do whatever we want at all the luxury boutiques. We are dressed to the nines. Like you wear five inch heels when you're shopping in Paris. You just do, you right? You just do. So if you were there right now and you were in the market for a new handbag, what would be the first store you would probably pop into? Oh, you know me. I'm the one who got you on the Louis bandwagon. <laughs> you are. So Louis would be it for you. Well, I just... That's the starter. Louis is, well, a couple things. Just an iconic brand. Mm -hmm. It just screams, I don't want to say wealth, but it screams like you made it. Like yeah. if you have a Louis bag, I just feel like you just are proud to carry it. I remember... When I got my first paycheck of Serendipit when you weren't here, I bought my first Louis Vuitton yep. all on my own. Yep. I kept it in the box and I was going to take it back because I was so embarrassed. But then Wes took the box and threw it away and said, you're keeping it. So I <laughs> kept it. And 13 years later, it's in the perfect condition. Has a few water bottles and muscle milk spilled in it. So I cleaned that. <laughs> but it's good. But you've had it for a long time and it's still in fashion. And actually what's crazy, not only is it still in fashion... It has gone up in value. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting, yeah. I, I didn't look into any of the values, but I just know the styles just don't go out of fashion. That's the reality of it. But I have been like pondering this concept since this episode idea came across my desk. Is it fair to compare buying your first Louis to losing your virginity? I and mean... <laughs> Kind of. It is. Actually, I think buying your, virgi buying, <laughs> your virginity. <laughs> buying your virginity. <laughs> buying your first Louis Vuitton might be better than losing your virginity. Oh, for sure. Because it's way better than the first time. But like, really, they're both really big deals to most people. I mean, for me, I waited years until I bought my first Louis Vuitton. I mean, we've already established on this podcast, like I'm pretty conservative. So buying things that like I don't feel like I can 100% afford without feeling guilty has never been something of interest to me. So like I would never use credit cards to buy something I couldn't afford, right? I use credit cards to buy things and then pay them off in full just to get the points. Um, but I did after years and years of like secretly wanting one, but not really allowing myself to like go there. You mean like when I'd walk in your office, like check out my lady yep. and I'd just like rub it a little bit. <laughs> 
And so in 20, I think it was 2016, I like decided I was ready. It and took I bought, you that long? It did. I remember we were in Austin at the student housing conference and everyone had a Neverfull. And I was like, I just need to do it. So I got home from that trip. It was like oh, close to two grand. I mean, it's not cheap, right? No. And I purchased the bag and it just opened up a whole can of worms for me. I definitely have like an obsession. I don't know if it's an obsession, a passion for like beautiful purses. That's the one thing that I allow myself to like splurge on now, but I work my ass off. So do you. We buy things that we can afford. Yes. We don't go crazy, but like we deserve to treat ourselves. And again, if you like amortize the cost of the bag over the life that <laughs> like you have. Like the had. mattress. Okay. So I've had this bag for what, 13 years? Mm-hmm. So 2000 divided by 13 is how much a day? I mean, nothing. Nothing, right? And did you know this other story? Dar had Louis Vuittons. And sometimes I go to her house and she, I give her champagne and she gives me more Louis. <laughs> but her Louis withstood the fire. Her house burnt down and everything burnt down to the ground. Yeah. Guess, guess what we discovered? Yeah. Louis Vuittons. They I did know, not I talk burn. about it in here. I have an God. example of that, of the storytelling they do with that kind of example. But I'm not alone. A lot of women and men are equally as obsessed with Louis as we are. It's definitely not just for women. It is for anyone in any stage of life, any gender. And it's not a new thing. Louis Vuitton has ruled the fashion world and won over the hearts of consumers for decades and decades and decades. Well, you know what the weird thing is? Every age group, okay, this Christmas... My mom and I just needed to go to the mall because we hadn't from quarantine. Yeah. So we went with our masks. We went and we're walking around. Louis Vuitton had a line up to Nordstrom's. Guess who was in line? Who? Teenagers. I know. I literally, and then there's two other women. We started, we were going to stay in line and we were looking like, what is this? Teenagers buying a Louis Vuitton? Like, that's not okay. I'm that's great. Cr- no, it is really interesting. Like, and we're going to talk about how they're they not buying it. Their parents are buying it, probably. But the brand is synonymous with luxury. And there's no argument that if it's not the leading one, it's one of the world's leading international fashion houses. Louis Vuitton sells far more than luxury bags. It sells clothing, jewelry, home goods, like so many things. Scarves. Scarves, yeah. Everything is like they're selling a lifestyle, really, more than they're selling products. The brand has its standalone stores, and then it also leases departments in high-end department stores. And of course, it sells online. All brands have to sell online these days. So for six consecutive years, so from 2006 to 2012, Louis Vuitton was named the world's most valuable luxury brand. Wow. And in 2020, the brand did $14 billion in revenue. Isn't that and it costs Bananas. them like $2 to make the bag. You think so? I think it's more than $2. I mean, They're pretty high quality. Probably like 100 but not 2000 Not two grand. Well, I'm going to give you a little history lesson before I go into like the fun. I'm You're getting, coming around to the I history. Know, I'm loving it. So Louis Vuitton is, as we said, a French fashion house and luxury goods company. And it was founded in 1854 by Mr. Louis Vuitton himself. Like he's a real dude. Wow. I didn't I actually didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I <laughs> thought it was is. just a name. No. He was a real person. He was actually a French peasant who was born in 1821 and he came to Paris at the age of 13 to learn how to make trunks from the esteemed Monsieur Marrakel. Okay? He was some fancy trunk maker. Wow. And these trunks he was learning to make were not just your average trunks. Like they were beautiful, luxurious, and they were fit for royalty. In 1852, like Louis Vuitton became this personal trunk maker to 
Empress Eugene, who that was a huge deal. Yeah. And by 1854, he had actually opened up his first store and he was doing pretty well. But it wasn't until 1858 when he had his real light bulb idea. He created a trunk that was made of gray canvas, not leather, and it was lighter and more durable, and it wouldn't make your clothing smell the same way that like leather trunks did. So this was a really big deal as well because he also figured out how to make the trunks rectangular versus round, which made them stackable, which was super important in that era of mass transportation because like space was really limited and had to be utilized wisely. They really just like grew in popularity from here. And he actually opened up his own workshop outside of Paris. Wow. And as I mentioned, since it was exclusively making trunks from the start, it immediately really propelled the brand like into the luxury category naturally. Because if you think about that era, people who were traveling, who needed trunks, had money, right? Like the average person wasn't doing cross country or overseas travel. I mean, did they really travel that much? Maybe city to city? Maybe, but the trunks really were a luxury item. So you had to have money to have them. So people, of course, started seeing this as a desirable brand because whenever something is a little out of reach, it's desired, right? So in fact, it was so desired, like all the Louis Vuitton luggage was so desired as early as 1876 that other brands were making imitation suitcases. So Louis Vuitton had to change his color and his design. It kept happening. People kept copying him. So in 1888, he created that Damier canvas pattern where it has the logo that reads the Louis Vuitton registered trademark, right? Basically, he was saying, don't copy my shit. Gosh. Isn't that nuts? You didn't, I would never really thought like that early. People were copying. People would have been copying, but I guess that's always been a thing. So in 1930, the brand created the Louis Vuitton Speedy Bag, which was essentially the first handbag the brand created. Like that was for everyday use in general. Yeah. That became iconic because Audrey Hepburn herself requested that they make her a really small version of it, which they ended up calling the Speedy 25. And that was a huge moment for the brand in the 30s. Super cool, huh? I keep thinking, like, when you're saying this, like, the 1800s. Like, I can't even picture it. I can't either. It blows my mind that a brand that was started in 1850 is, like, still as relevant and way more popular today. Today. It blows my mind. Always. Do you think Serendipit will be that popular? (laughs) Let's see. No. I don't know. I mean, you never know. You never know. But I got to tell you my favorite part that I learned in this history lesson, Okay. Many of Louis Vuitton's innovations were made in response to what we might refer to as champagne problems. Okay. Okay. So in fact, one of the bags they developed was literally for champagne problems. The No Bag is the world's first bucket bag designed to carry five bottles of champagne. Yes. Do they still make that? Sign me up. I don't, I want it. I'm sure they still make it. So like right from the moment the brand was born, it was made for people with money. Oh my God, it I was like luxury. Up. It's no N O E. Okay. So from the get go, this brand like made it really clear who it was for, and that made it desired by the audience who could afford it, and like I said, by those who could not. It's an aspirational brand. It yeah. always has been. The real question that I was so curious about, and why I'm doing this episode, is how in the heck can a 167 year old brand keep its relevancy? How? How? And it hasn't faltered. It stayed on trend and continues to be a staple among all generations. My nine-year-old daughter 
knows Louis. Yeah. It blows my mind. Like, I mean, my boys know Louis. Yeah, it blows my mind. It's timeless. In general, I don't think it's an easy accomplishment to keep any brand around for a long time, but like a luxury brand to keep that relevant in the face of the social media era and like younger generations who kind of naturally are into things and trends that would be opposite of luxury is bonkers. And they've done it successfully. Well, I think they've always stayed true to their image. It's interesting over the years, what they've done, like adding the colors and getting more trendy and Mm -hmm. doing bags for Kanye West and Kardashians and all that stuff. And the experience in the stores, that's the other thing you were saying about online. I would never buy a bag online. Like it's so fun to be able to walk in and have them like unfold it on the table, right? Yeah, totally. Well, Louis Vuitton has managed to withstand the demise of the mall and the rise of online shopping. And it still is desired by Gen Z and boomers alike. They don't have sales, they don't do discounts, and they really never seem overly eager to sell you anything. You walk into the store and you do feel like maybe you shouldn't be there for a minute and then it's welcoming, but they're not pushy. No, but it's so funny whenever I go in, I feel like I need to have a Louis Vuitton bag on or like another something that would show that I can afford it. Yeah, just to like prove that you deserve to be there. I'm worthy of them taking it down from the case. Yeah, that's so funny. Well, let's talk about how they still crush it today. Like what are they doing that's so unique? And maybe it's not unique. Maybe they're just doing it really well. Okay. The first thing is storytelling as a sales tactic. So that has been part of the brand since day one. Stories are important, period. Period. They should be the one thing every brand is investing in because it shouldn't cost anything to figure out what are the stories you're going to tell on behalf of your brand and how are you going to make them relate to your customer. Louis Vuitton has always ensured that there is a story with every bag sold. Like every bag or any product has its own unique origin story. And that just makes it so much more this iconic fashion accessory. Yeah. The Louis Vuitton story has always been about the art of travel. I mean, they started making trunks, like I said, and using canvas material in an innovative way for the times to protect, like, the valuable clothes inside. So don't you have that Louis Vuitton keep-all? Isn't that the bag that your grandma gave you? It's the, like, canvas tote bag, like, the big one. Okay. So that actually was originally created in 1930. It was, like, the first non-suitcase bag they made. Yeah. And I still see it all the time. And you have your own story behind it, like you said. Like, you tell anyone who asks, like, who compliments you on that bag. I've heard you do it 50,000 times. It's like crazy. You'll, you'll be like, yeah, my grandma passed this down to me. It survived a fire in her Pasadena house. Like, what a crazy cool story. I know. Right? It doesn't smell like fire. It's so weird. It's It still smells like the original leather. It's so cool. Yeah. Well, there is a deep-rooted history that's instilled in every Louis Vuitton product, and that makes them really unique. Another example is the Alma bag, which looks like a pretty normal, expensive handbag. But do you know the reason behind it being one of the top-selling bags? Why? In 1920, this bag was a special order from the great Coco Chanel herself. Like, she requested that bag. After that happened, it became so popular, and it still is so popular today. So anyone who purchases an Alma bag today feels like they have this special connection to Coco Chanel. They're carrying her favorite bag. Now, most customers who walk into a Louis Vuitton store, like, do not necessarily know the stories behind the bags, right? Right. But there is always a highly trained client advisor there who is the sales staff, essentially, 
and they know the history of every item and they make sure they introduce that bag to you personally. They always tell you the story behind the bag. That's part of the process. And they do it in a way that is so authentic and makes you feel like you're in the moment and you're a part of that story. Like you have to get the bag. Yeah. It's so funny that you say that because now I'm, I'm just trying to think about the experiences. There has never been a salesy, like a pushy feeling in the stores. Mm-mm. It's more like a museum. Like, absolutely, you can look at this piece. And then, okay, are you done? Thank you. And it's like, you almost have to beg to buy it. Yeah. It's so weird. It is so weird. And that's a super smart sales tactic. I yeah. Mean, they make the customer feel like they are so uniquely special and they're part of this very exclusive group. And it's a big deal. But in order to work, a brand story has to have tangible elements that are authentic, meaningful, and ideally that tap into like an important insight about the consumers they target. So this technique of using client advisors to share the individual stories behind the bags is a huge driver of sales for the brand. If you scour the internet, like about Louis Vuitton sales stories or tactics, you'll actually see a few stories about customers. Like one example was there was a customer who was torn between a Gucci or a Louis Vuitton bag and they were in the Louis Vuitton store and the client advisor persuaded the customer with the story behind one of the Louis Vuitton bags, telling her about how the bag she was interested in was inspired by the roads in France, how the leather was requested by an Indian prince. I mean, you oh can gosh. bet that customer chose that Louis all day, every day over, over a basic Gucci because she felt a connection. Like, yeah. Even if you're not a history buff, you still feel like you're buying a piece of art. Exactly. Like with a story. People, of course, purchase Louis Vuittons not exclusively because of the story. Like, I didn't even know there were stories behind the bags until I walked in yeah. to knowing I was going in to buy a bag. But it does play a huge role in the brand's success. I mean, it's a differentiator. Oh, period. for sure. Stories are number one in the reasons I think that they have maintained this amazing brand equity over time. The next one blows my mind. Okay. Collaborations. It's likely no surprise to you that Louis Vuitton has utilized collaborations with major designers. Like, that makes total sense. Typically, though, these designers are already in the same luxury category as the Louis brand. So they're really only focusing on attracting people who are already into high fashion and can already afford high fashion, right? So you wouldn't be surprised to know that in 1997, the brand collaborated with Marc Jacobs by making him the artistic director— and they've collaborated with a ton of other big, notable designers who help cultivate new pieces year after year for the brand that almost make the customers feel as though they're collecting and buying art versus accessories. Wait, Mark Jacobs, that's interesting because he has his own line of bags. Yeah, but he was the yeah, artistic director for the brand for over a decade. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So in order to get new audiences interested in high fashion of Louis Vuitton, they expanded their collaborations around pop culture happenings, some that you would never expect they would do. So a study came out around this time that illustrated that using avatars as spokespeople of a business can help increase web-based sales, okay? Okay. So in 2016, Louis was like, I got this. Do you know what they did? No. Louis Vuitton collaborated with video game company Square Enix when the brand's game Final Fantasy XIII Lightning Returns was released. Okay. So how do you think they collaborated, Lex? 
I don't know. She's literally on her computer shopping for Louis right now. It's well, I am like, just like, you're saying this. And I'm like, you're oh like, my what? God, they have speakers and earbuds and like everything. A $3,000 speaker. I, I mean, it's so cool. It lights up with little Louis lights. <laughs> but how do you think they collaborated? Any yeses? No. Okay. Did they like put Louis Vuittons in the game? Kind of. So Louis Vuitton actually borrowed the game's character, Lightning, as a model, oh wearing God. Louis Vuitton clothes and carrying its handbags for Series 4 Spring Summer Collection in 2016. So there's this video I'll play for you, and I'll definitely like post it for everyone to see. So like this video wasn't just done for a YouTube stunt. The brand took this collaboration into its actual advertising. So if you opened up a magazine, like let's say L in 2016, you would see a full-page ad featuring a stoic, pink-haired girl carrying a small black clutch. She was wearing a candy pink biker jacket, and it was an avatar. It was lightning from the Final Fantasy game. So crazy. Isn't that bananas? And seeing a video game character headlining a campaign for a major fashion house was something so new for a luxury brand. So new. Yeah. And ultimately, the decision to use lightning as a model was an insanely smart way to bring a brand new audience into the world of high fashion. And it made it clear that Louis Vuitton may be one of the most iconic old school fashion brands, but it was working hard to modernize its image by understanding what this younger generation is interested in and utilizing that information in a really relevant way. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would never think of video gamers as a Louis Vuitton Oh, it gets audience. better. Okay. Just wait. Nicolas Gasquer, who is the French fashion designer who has now been the creative director for the House of Louis Vuitton since 2013, said that lightning is the perfect avatar for a global heroic woman and for a world where social networks and communications are now seamlessly woven into our life. And this partnership wasn't where it stopped. I know you think it's like so odd that they partnered with a video game company, but have you heard of the video game by Riot Games called League of Legends? Um, no, because I'm not a gamer. Neither am I. I did not know any of this stuff. I hope I sound like I do, though. <laughs> so it is one of the world's most popular video games. Wow. And it features a team-based competitive game mode based on strategy and, like, outplaying opponents. Isn't that every game, pretty much? Yeah. Okay. Players work with their team to break the enemy nexus before the enemy team breaks theirs. And I don't even know what a nexus is. I don't know either. <laughs> but it's important because in 2019, Louis Vuitton unveiled a collaboration with Riot Games for the upcoming League of Legends World Championship. Okay. Apparently, this is a huge fucking deal. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I know the World Championship thing. That's been huge. They actually go to conventions yeah, and it's like I did insane. not know this. Yeah. So it's the annual professional League of Legends World Championship tournament hosted by Riot Games and it's the culmination of each season. I didn't know there was a video game season. I'm learning esports is a brand new world to me. I know. You know they have like esports outfits now at Walmart? I mean, With, I know. What do you need to wear? You know how our kids wear like Under Armour and stuff? Yeah. There's like a whole, instead of Under Armour, it's oh. like esports. And it's all like. Like logoed. Logoed. It's crazy. Interesting. Why are you at Walmart shopping for clothes? <laughs> That's my bigger question. <laughs> because my boys are obsessed with everything like dry fit and I can't keep buying 
Under Armour and Nike and everything that's like so expensive and then they get it stained and for some reason I cannot get the stains out. It's impossible. So I'm like, I'm going to buy 20 sets at Walmart and we can throw them away. Perfect. Like that makes $4. sense. $4.99 is my jam. <laughs> so like I said, this is a huge deal. Teams compete for the champion title and they win a 70-pound Summoner's Cup and a multi-million dollar championship prize. Okay? Wow. So as part of this partnership, Louis Vuitton created a one-of-a-kind LED-enhanced custom trophy case to hold the Summoner's Cup, which was awarded to the world champion in Paris, France on November 10th. So the trophy travel case featured both traditional Louis Vuitton design along with cutting-edge, high-tech elements inspired by the League of Legends universe. They also designed skins for the game, and players could purchase the outfits for their characters for 10 bucks. Oh my god. And you know what's so funny? I mean, my kids aren't into video games yet, but they're in like roadblocks and all these things. And they are so obsessed with each other's outfits and cars and houses and brilliant. I mean, and they're five and seven. It is so brilliant. This was really the first ever collaboration between a global esport and a luxury fashion house. I mean, Louis Vuitton has a history, like we talked about before, of integrating with big brand actual sporting events that match their existing target audience, like the World Cup and the French Open. And you mentioned some like sailing event that they've yeah, done. Yeah, the and, America's Cup. It yeah, used so, to be the Louis Vuitton Cup. Yeah, so they've always developed like trophy cases with Louis products for yeah. those things. But this was the first time it was ever done for esports. And then they went even further. And they designed and released a capsule collection that was sold online. And it is bananas. I don't know how else to describe it. 40 pieces, all branded with this like League of Legends vibe, kind of looking camo, futuristic. Crazy. It's it's a co-branded League of Legends and Louis Vuitton apparel line and accessories line. There's 40 products, like I said, many of which cost well over $1,000 each. So you could buy like $170 bandeau or a $5,600 leather jacket. That'd be a great gift for the person who has everything. It's so crazy that, because for me, I love just the signature brand, like the monogram stuff, because mm-hmm. I feel like that shows Louis and I, I like the brand. But I'm just so curious, like what the, where were their sales? Like who bought this shit? Well, Alexis, that's a great question. They sold out of all of the products on the website within one hour. What? Yes. There's that many rich people that can... Kid? I mean... I don't think it's just kids, kids doing anymore. e-gaming anymore. Yeah. And I know it is like a younger demo, but some of them are loaded apparently. Yeah, because they make I, so much money. so interesting. But wow. the global gaming industry is actually valued somewhere around $180 billion. And Goldman Sachs is estimating that by 2022... The global audience for esports will reach 276 million people. Oh my gosh. I mean, it Crazy. is like the next biggest thing. It is already the biggest thing. Yeah. So the growth in like this growth in viewership and participation in gaming and esports is really the key driver behind why luxury brands like Louis are getting involved. And Louis Vuitton was really the first one to take that big leap. And what they did really well was go far beyond the traditional sponsorship when like you throw a logo and maybe a video ad in the middle of a game, right? That's what you would expect? Yeah. No. They really found a way to integrate and interact with players in the game by like selling those custom skins as well as 
outside the game in the real world by creating this collection that if you were a gamer and you loved Louie or now you're a gamer and now you're going to love Louie, like you feel really proud to wear because like they came to you and they got into your world and created something for you. I want to challenge our listeners. If you ever see one of these bags, please take a photo of it and send it to us. I mean, I'll post I'm them. I'm just like, like Google to see one in the real world though. Yeah. Google like the Louis Vuitton Neverfull. Why well, did? You know, I mean, it's crazy. League of Legends. It's crazy. It's crazy to me that they sold out so, so fast. But really, instead of advertising at people, they invited people in to experience this with the brand, which that's the way to do it. That's why all these brands are successful right now. Experiential marketing is so key. Yeah. Like people want to feel it. They want to feel like it's a part of their life before they just buy it. Like just, they want the experience, this generation. It's crazy. Oh, absolutely. And just one and a half months after that partnership was announced in 2019 and a few days ahead of like the actual world championship being conducted. So they announced it in September and then the world championship was happening in November, okay? Okay. So they compared social media sentiment because they wanted to see like what were the Louis Vuitton brand mentions like with this audience during this time frame. And they really wanted to understand like is there a lift among League of Legends esports and gaming audiences like talking about the brand? Well, yes, there was. They actually found a 52% increase in positive brand mentions by League of Legends gamers in that short period of time, in oh a month gosh. and a half. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. People who probably never I mean, look talked at about the this brand This is before. like what I was saying the esports is. I mean, it's legit like a full, an a full entire convention. stadium. Like you're going to a concert. Look at this. Yeah. Look she's like showing me it's like must be sponsored by Look at Mercedes-Benz is the sponsor. It's so insane that all of these luxury brands are now getting into this. It's crazy. How do you, I mean, how do you feel about video games? I just, I don't want my kids to even. My kids play Roblox and they play Minecraft and they are interacting with their friends on it, which I like. And they're like actually like learning, they're transacting, they're like buying things, they're building a house. They're, I think there's cool things that happen when they do that. Like, think about the games we play. We play, like, the Oregon Trail and, like, Super Mario Brothers and, like, Duck Hunt. What the fuck did we learn with those things? But I, I mean, the Oregon Trail, you learned how to trade. That's true. You which did. I think that's how Roblox is because you have to save your money and you have to buy a house. And the people, like, Caden always wants his house better. Yeah. He has a cash register in his house because he says anyone who comes in his house has to pay him. <laughs> so he gets more money, which is brilliant. So they're thinking how to save. Totally. My problem is they get sucked in. And we are actually on an iPad detox right now mm-hmm. because they, it's like crack. I yeah. mean, when I they know. don't we, have, we have it, a problem in our house with iPads, yeah. they convulse. It's yeah. scary. It is. But I don't think all video games are bad. Like, I don't want to jump to that assumption because I do think it's obviously not going away. I mean, people are living in the virtual world just as much or more than they live in the real world, which I'm not okay with. But I think there are some like cool things that do happen there. Yeah. I think you just got to manage time management. Yeah. Absolutely. An eSports Insider article by Laura Byrne said when non-endemic brands enter the eSports space, it's often executed super poorly, but choosing to design a trophy case for the Summoner's Cup follows a Louis Vuitton tradition, like they've always done this kind of thing before with other sports, and it introduces something totally unique into eSports. So it was a win-win for both categories, and it felt authentic to esports gamers. So who do you think was like the first luxury brand to like have this idea to break this market? 
Louis Vuitton is definitely credited with being one of the first, and so is Ralph Lauren. But, like, if you look today, you have Gucci, you have Burberry, you have Lamborghini. I mean, you have every luxury brand targeting this gaming audience. So they know something about this audience and their spending habits. Well, their spending habits, they're winning millions of dollars in these tournaments. So, like, the winners obviously can afford it. But also... Again, the Roblox thing. My kids are like, can I have money? They can't conceptualize. I'm like, you might as well light dollars on fire instead of putting it in the game. Mm-hmm. But they, they just want to dump money. Instead of buying a toy, they want to dump money into these virtual worlds, mm-hmm. which are insane. I know, but it's a thing. It's <laughs> And it's not just kids. No, That's I know. It's a crazy people. thing. Yeah. That blew my mind. The other thing I was thinking about was how did Louis Vuitton successfully do this with the gaming crowd and not alienate its existing customers. And I'll tell you how. I didn't even know this this happened until I did the research. So I think us as non-gamers, already Louis fans, they didn't put it in our faces. No, exactly. Like they specifically targeted them in their virtual worlds and probably at these conventions. And like but- they had the ads, like they had the the avatar ad that like they're now creating products just for gamers. They did it in the right, in a, well, the right way. Well, that's what I love about being able to be target based on behaviors. And I mean, now you don't have to do print. I mean, we really don't do a lot of print because you can't really target it as specifically, but like with digital, you could literally make sure that the only people who see the gaming related ads are gamers and that I only see what I want to (laughs) see. I know people get annoyed by that retargeting stuff, but I think it's great. I don't want to be flooded with things I don't like. I want to be flooded with things I love. Me too. I always leave cookies on. On everything. I do. Yeah. Follow me. I'm a marketer's dream. But great, I just left cookies on on that esports thing. Now I'm going to <laughs> game it. The last category in which I think like Louis Vuitton has really utilized or the tactic it's utilized to, you know, keep it fresh and engage new audiences is embracing social media. And it sounds really basic, right? Like yeah. we've been using social media since 2004 and brands have been using it since, let's call it 07 pretty regularly. But social media was something that luxury brands really scoffed at the idea of using for years. I mean, for a long time, just like many of our clients, they never thought that their customers would be on social media. They were like, it's young kids. Just like that one client we had who used to call us the Twitter twins. (laughs) I remember. In like 08. It was like ludicrous to these brands that like adults who have money are actually on social media. Of course they are. Yeah. So it took a while. But at some point, these luxury brands found out that today, somewhere around 80% of all luxury purchases are digitally influenced. So they were like, well, we better get on this bandwagon. Once luxury brands figured that out and they got on board, it became a game changer. Louis Vuitton has earned a spot in the top three luxury brands dominating social media today. And research from just March of this year showed that Louis Vuitton has a social engagement score of 12,131,000, which was only outranked by Gucci in the number two spot and Dior in the number one spot. How? How do they do it? Like, how do they do it so well? I have no idea. Let me tell you, Alexis. I'm excited. First, I'm not even following Louis Vuitton. I know. I started this morning. First, they focus on the visuals. I mean, we already know social media is a super visual tactic, and fashion, of course, translates like best in visuals. So Louis Vuitton, like most fashion houses, has most of their followers on Instagram because it's a super visual platform, platform, and they really capitalize on that. 
So they post really, really often. Like they stay very much in tune with the, with the algorithm and they're posting content constantly. And they're showcasing a variety of visual content, catwalk shows, ad campaigns, promo events, store openings, and of course, influencers who are wearing their designs all the time. And they use influencers. Oh my big God, time. big time. And they're very smart about who they pick and why they pick them. They have a really healthy mix of photos and videos. And this social content has really translated to some super high quality website traffic. In 2018, the average online visit to Louis Vuitton site lasted an entire 4.32 minutes. Oh my so gosh. that sounds short if you don't know marketing, but let me tell you, that's like a fucking million years yeah. because people typically only spend a few seconds to maybe a minute max. By comparison, on the Dior website, people are spending 2.37 minutes and 2.53 minutes at Chanel and 3.15 at Dolce & Gabbana. Wow. So like they're spending a lot of time on the Louis website because the content is driving them there from social and they're like dreaming or buying. I was just showing you. I mean, look at their sliders. I know. Did you see that slider of men's new line? It's like these guys, it's almost like statuesque by chess symbols. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So the brand also makes sure its presence on other platforms is really visual too. I mean, even on Twitter, which is really not meant to be that visual of a platform, you'll see that every tweet is accompanied by a high-resolution photo or video, and the text really only serves as an opening title to the main event. Same with Facebook. For them, the name of the game on every social platform is visuals. Visuals. They also make a big impression by having a clear, consistent brand on all outlets. I mean, we preach this. I think like the hardest thing for us is brands don't value the work it takes to create great social content and like engage audiences. So when clients come to us, social media is often the tactic that they want to keep in-house because they think it's just like a cheap marketing intern can do it. No. But when you don't have brand consistency on all platforms and it's not feeling authentically like the experience a customer has with your brand elsewhere, it's not even worth doing it. No. Frankly. So they do it so, so, so well. We see it in the coordination of their different social media outlets. All content is visual, like I said. It all follows the aesthetic of the campaign they're running at that very time. Across all channels, you get complete consistency. Every single social media post is tagged with the hashtag Louis Vuitton, and it also uses like event-specific hashtags, and this helps their followers like track specific brand updates. So check out this graphic, Lex. Oh, I love it. So it's like a series of images with kind of a funky yellow tannish background color for Instagram. And it features that iconic red stamped initials overlaid on these graphics and models. And this is a throwback to the very core of Louis Vuitton, because as I talked to you about, we know the brand got its start making personalized trunks. So this serves as a subtle reminder about the monogramming service that they are totally known for. And in turn, this actually invites customers into the brand. I mean, it's a subtle call to action. Like, this is who we are. Come join us. And they do a really great job of keeping their social campaigns aligned with their products. And customers are led back to the heart of what they do. Importantly, like, they strike the perfect balance between that old, timeless history and the new relevant trends. And that's hard, hard. to do. It's really hard to be a historical brand and still be cool and relevant, but like maintain that 
timeless quality that makes you so amazing in the first place. I agree. Very hard to do. So finally, they truly make everyone feel welcome on their social channels. And that is not easy to do when a purse costs two grand. And I know, you're I truly saying. not welcoming to everyone. Yeah. So this is important because, yes, everyone likes a beautiful aesthetic social feed and they all like cohesive, connected branding. But real power comes from engagement. And you can't get engagement unless you bring people in and welcome them to engage. Yeah, and you can't, I mean, when people are engaging, you can't be judgy and say, be rude to them. They they want everyone, Louis Vuitton is also an aspirational brand. Like, people want to be able to carry it. Mm -hmm. So if they can afford it then, right, they're going to afford it later. They're just like me. They're going to wait till the right time. Louis Vuitton does this so well. They invite us to connect like not many other luxury fashion brands do. They were actually one of the first fashion houses to utilize the Facebook chatbot. Some brands, like Chanel, still doesn't even have one. They won't engage with you on Facebook chat. Isn't that interesting? That's crazy. And it may seem like a small thing, but that direct communication with the brand feels super personal to a customer and invites them into what often seems like this untouchable experience. So other brands often come off like as unattainable, But Louis Vuitton is quick to respond to your message and they're welcoming. Try it right now. Like a bot will come back and say their customer service advisors are on from this time to this time and they'll try to answer your question through the bot. It's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And Louis Vuitton was also one of the first to hop onto the live streaming trend. So as early as 2010, they live streamed the opening of their new Bond Street store. And nowadays they regularly stream their fashion shows. So in 2016, the brand utilized Snapchat to transport fans to a Parisian summer vacation by live streaming and sharing clips from its fashion show in Palm Springs, which was done at Bob Hope's Resort Estate, which oh my gosh, looks is a crazy insane. Place. Typically, only 550 of the most famous guests would be subject to this experience, but we got to be right there alongside these celebrities watching this happen, and we saw interviews and clips with our favorite celebrities. That's brilliant. It was a really unique way to utilize Snapchat in 2016, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, live streaming, when any brand can do that, it's so funny because, again, I feel like we talk about this, and logistically, I think people get scared of like anything that's outside the box and that might be somewhat of a hard task to accomplish, but the value is so huge. Oh, it's so... If you can get people, bring your experience to them in their environment and make them feel a part of it and feel connected, like... Chef Beckett, I hope you're listening because we (laughs) bugged you and then once you did it, everyone loved being in your kitchen, dude. Yep. I mean, that's a great idea for chefs, for sure. Because then they feel... People get so excited. They want to be a part of it. Yeah. And they want to come eat the delicious food because they're hungry. And they're like, their mouths are watering. Yeah. I mean, the reality was, though, like, probably a large percentage of those viewers on Snapchat and those fans engaging on Instagram and on Facebook may be people who can't afford the brand yet, like you just said. Yeah. But they're building up their future customer. They're building a relationship with their future customer. They're making them feel welcome. Even if now is not the time, they're waiting for them when they're ready. Well, yeah. I mean, again, my grandma had a Louis. My, I don't know if my mom – actually, my mom didn't have a Louis until – I bought my first one because she was like, okay, I can splurge and buy it. Yeah. Which is funny because she grew up in a very wealthy household. But I like grew up seeing my grandma wear it. And once I transitioned from my skater phase and actually liked fashion, 
<laughs> it was very aspirational. And I remember in college, I worked really hard and I bought like a keychain or something stupid because at U of A, all the girls had it. And I think I could only afford the keychain. Everyone at my college, I went to Kent State in Ohio and they all had... It was like coach keychains or product keychains or wallet. Like you just got the littlest thing. <laughs> it was like it because, was $300. <laughs> it, cost, it took me like two weeks to work for $350. Yeah, but, that, but you really wanted to be a part of that brand. Like that was really important. And the beautiful thing about like doing social media really well is it makes you feel as though like whether you're already a loyal customer or like you're a teenage dreamer, that like Louis Vuitton is talking to you and you matter to them. Love it. I know. And it's so basic because like sometimes I'm doing this research and I'm thinking everyone knows this already, but these are great reminders. Well, I think it also takes a brand, you know, you need a lot of courage to be able to A, things outside the box, but B, be willing to go beyond who's your actual target. Yes. You know, like, so they're spending money on people that they're not going to see a return on For yet. a long time. And right? they already are super successful. Do they need to go go after this audience? But, but they're that's smart the, why because they've been, their audience will die otherwise. And that's why they've been around for 160 years, yeah, right? They, so right. I don't. I wonder when they started targeting the younger generation, but that's so smart. It really wasn't like, until this e-gaming thing. I no. mean, I know people, younger kids in certain markets like Scott still where I live in LA where you grew up or where you're always going to have a population who is more privileged maybe and like can access those things at younger ages because of their parents. Yeah. Just like I knew kids in high school getting boob jobs. I mean, oh my God. you know, that's a thing. It's not normal for most of America or most of the world, but I don't think they actively targeted young people until they really started getting into the esports. And I don't even know if their intention was young people. It was a little bit. It was Gen Z, but it was also just a new, new industry, audience, yeah. the industry. You feel like they're talking to you, and what normally feels exclusive now feels like warm and cozy, kind of like anyone is welcome, and everyone is encouraged to get familiar with who they are and what they do. Like I said at the top of the episode, they're not just selling products. Louis Vuitton is selling a lifestyle, and that's how almost every luxury brand is, and that's where social media can be a game changer is inviting people into the lifestyle either today when they can have it or aspirationally. That's where the power is. Well, because you know, it's, I mean, not now because it's an everyday bag, but when you first buy your Louis Vuitton and you walk out of that store and the first time you actually like put it on your shoulder or you carry it, it's almost like transforms who you are. Like you feel different, yeah, right? You're I like, agree. And, and I think like, it sounds like cheesy AF when you say it, you're so right. I remember buying my first bag. I was like, I had it sitting in the back of my car. I kept looking back at the box. I couldn't believe that I purchased that bag. I don't know why. And that's why I hate to say I it. Like I would that. never, but you and I are the same way like this. I would never buy it for my kid because having that feeling of accomplishment uh -huh. and like I made it to be able to buy it is the best feeling in the I world. I totally agree. I want my kids to feel that. Like I don't want to just give it to them. I mean, obviously I give them a lot of toys and all that, but Caden just bought his first watch for $100 and he wears it every day and he's so proud to say, I mean, it's like 80 it. bucks, but like he bought it. Like that's so cool. I agree. The sense of accomplishment for me is something I've never been one to appreciate handouts. I just, I don't. Even when we get, this is so funny, bad example, but we get trade from some of our clients who are like a restaurant or a spa or whatever in addition to payment, because maybe we're discounting our services a little bit. And I don't even feel like that trade to me is valued as much as if I paid for that with my own money. I agree. It sounds bonkers. Because it feels fake. Yeah. And I'm so willing to give it away, 
because to me, it's not as valuable. Yes. Yeah, I know. Interesting. It's really interesting. But today, like you'd really be hard pressed. I would venture to say in almost any city to walk down the street and not see every third woman carrying a Neverfull. I agree. I don't know how all these people afford it, but they do. Probably in debt, but they do. People trade now. This world of like keeping trading it for a high bit, fashion. Yeah. Trading high fashion is so interesting. It is interesting. But with 14 billion in annual revenue and 12% of its sales coming from online, and that's only growing, I'd say Louis Vuitton has a pretty sticky situation on their hands. What do you think, Lex? Oh man, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. I hope when I die and I'm like up there looking <laughs> down, I just keep seeing generations and generations wearing Louis. Wearing Louis. Yeah. Maybe there's like a whole Louis section of like heaven or wherever people go. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll come back as a handbag. <laughs> I, that would be odd. I hope that you have more of a purpose in life than a handbag. But the story, you know, stories are important. So you know, there's a story in that bag then, Lex. Oh, man. Uh, this was a good episode. I the, love Louis. I hope everyone, if you have not bought a Louis, at least go in the store. Just, just go experience just go the store. Because I don't even want to say go buy a Louis no. because not you should not buy it unless you can afford it comfortably and it's not going to make you feel like... <gasps> and if it doesn't make you feel good, you know? Yeah. But like the experience is just awesome, I think. So anyways, before we get into this like whole Louis love fest, let me just share a few of my sources. Better Marketing had a great article by Nicole Sujono titled Louis Vuitton, the 166-year-old brand that keeps attracting the young. There was also a great blog I found on a website called askatest.com, and it's like a research site. And it was titled So Hot Right Now, H-A-U-T-E, right now, How Louis Vuitton Are Killing It on Social Media. I think it should be how Louis Vuitton is killing it on social media. I hate no, when they do that. I know. Grammar, I'm a grammar freak. If I'm wrong, someone tell me. Referralcandy.com had an article by Ada Ivona from July 2020 titled A Closer Look, Four Reasons Why Louis Vuitton is So Successful. And Esports Insider had a really good article by Laura, Laura Byrne from September 2019 titled Louis Vuitton Partners with League of Legends World Championship. And of course, Wikipedia just always kills it. Always kills it. So that's where we are. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys like this episode and please follow us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Spotify, Apple. All the places. All Podbean. The- There's like a billion. Billion. And leave us a five-star review. Thanks. Have a great day. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.